You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And this is Do Facts Matter? And we have uh, Robert D'Agostino is tied up today. So we have Joseph D'Agostino, who is an attorney as well. And... Uh, has been on many other times, and we always welcome Joseph to uh, America's Web Radio. So, uh, Joseph, um, how are you doing today? I'm doing well and enjoying the nicer weather now. Good. That is, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, I guess where you are up north, uh, you all have had some winter. We've, we've been fortunate down here and not really, uh, had the weather that, uh, we could have had, but, uh, well, I enjoy snow, so right now I'm in the mountains of Western Virginia, and uh, it's been, so I'm told, I've never lived in this part of the country before, I've lived in Virginia before, but not this part of it, uh, that there's been a lot of snow, which I've enjoyed, uh, but previously I lived in Savannah, Georgia, which is a beautiful historic city, and uh, by and large, very nice winter weather, uh, and no snow. And here, I've really been able to enjoy being out uh, hiking in the snow and exploring in the snow, and I've enjoyed that. But then the past uh, few days, we've had much warmer weather, high of 50-something yesterday, and I think maybe around 45 uh, today, and bright and sunny, and it's nice to, to get this sort of taste of spring and hike in nice weather as well. And here comes the... Uh, oh, the Everything that has to do with spring, a little pollen in the air, and the, and the I'm eyes sorry, go crazy. I can't cra- hear you, David. A little pollen in the air, and the eyes go crazy, and all of that kind of thing. But that's part of spring, I reckon. I'm so, sorry, I wasn't able to hear that. So, uh, with that being said, uh, what uh, what do you think of the mess we're in right now as the country goes? Well, my father usually talks about politics on the show, and we have some agreements, he and I, um, and we have some disagreements, and um, I think it's interesting to watch politics and current events, not for necessarily the substance of the truth that they convey, since it's very often not <laughs> not there, right, that what the media are telling us, what politicians say is, is not the truth. Uh, they're, you know, lie frequently, uh, shade the truth, exaggerate, uh, lie by admission, etc. But we do get interesting lessons about the shape of policies to come that can affect us, the shape of uh, trends that can affect us, as well as just lessons about human nature. So I think it's important to follow these because uh, what's going on, because these things can affect our freedoms, our liberties, they can affect our economic lives. And, of course, we've especially seen that in the past year, where they've used a very uh, mild pandemic, uh, something uh, really when you subtract all the exaggerated uh, and false uh, death claims uh, attributed to COVID, you have something on the order of a bad flu season, uh, and is what's been going on, and how much the government has uh, gained in power uh, and in spending, you know, huge amounts of spending from borrowed money, of course, huge amounts of power over the lives of Americans. Um, using this um, to implement uh, policies and to decide if people can go to work, if their small businesses will survive or not, if people can go to church, and what the services at church will be like, what the capacity limits are, whether or not people are allowed to sing, when they've actually forbidden people from singing in church in some states. Um, 
wearing a thing on your face uh, and, and schools, etc. So just tremendous. Uh, I mean, some people have called it you know, the biggest roll-up of government power in peacetime history, and that, that may be true. And so just, you know, because, um, you know, their politics is so deceptive and full of lies, etc., unfortunately, um, it's, it affects our lives, and it's, it's a really harming the economy, of course. And, you know, we're, we're looking at very uncertain economic times with the new administration implementing very anti-economic growth policies, particularly in the energy sector. We're seeing, you know, gas prices shoot up, food prices are going up, housing prices are going up. Um, so we have this inflation going on, while at the same time we're, we're still having a high unemployment and low labor force participation, et cetera. So, so these sorts of things matter, and I think it also in particular matters when we look at um, this sort of demonization of conservatives, particularly white Christian conservatives that the media and politicians are engaging in right now, seemingly in preparation for taking away people's liberties. Right, so the, the the government picks a boogeyman from time to time. You know, one time it was the Soviet Union, one time it you know Muslims. Uh, the new one is, of course, conservative white patriots, and uh, they will use that to accomplish the usual things that they use the boogeyman for, which is increase their own wealth and power and decrease that of everybody else. Well, it, it looks to me like not only have they been are wanting to take away our powers, the individual rights, but also now they seem to be going after the states and trying to, what has always been states' responsibilities, states' rights, and they're trying to go after them as well. Yes, they are. Obviously, one of the arcs of history, of American history, has been the increasing centralization of the government. You know, more and more power to the federal government, less and less power to states, localities, and to private people which has been a very consistent trend uh, throughout American history, particularly since the Civil War. And that's certainly continuing. Uh, most of these mandates for COVID, of course, were implemented by states, though using federal guidelines, so that, you know, but not directly from the federal government. The federal government told them to. And now that may move into uh, a stronger arm uh, tactic. And legally speaking, constitutionally speaking, um, the federal government is unlikely to be able to order states to, say, continue lockdowns or continue mass mandates or anything like that. What they'll do is what they've done, you know, the last few decades and, and before that, um, indirect method. The most easy, the easiest method, which the Supreme Court is by and large uh, considered to be valid and legitimate and constitutional, is withholding funding. You can see the government, the federal government, say, withholding healthcare funding or Medicare or Medicaid funding from states that refuse to implement lockdowns or face mask mandates or that reopen schools or, or, or allow churches to reopen with full capacity, that kind of thing. Uh, you could see the government withholding any other kind of money, maybe education funding, uh, if schools reopen, things like that. Um, so all the states depend, all the states get a lot of money from the federal government to do various things. And he who pays the piper calls the tune. So this is how the federal government indirectly controls states, not by passing a law saying states must do this or that, that would be unconstitutional, but by passing a law saying states won't get their $50 million in education funding unless they do the following three things. And so that may be, and probably will be, at least one of the methods the federal government will use going forward to control states 
Um, because certainly, including, you know, um, Biden himself, people in Washington have been saying that they're very angry at states that are not continuing to restrict the liberties of their people, right? The governor of Texas is lifting all the restrictions. The governor of Alabama might be about to. The governor of Connecticut is, is lifting a lot. Of course, Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis and Governor Nome in South Dakota have done uh, fairly well. Governor Kent in Georgia has done fairly well with not implementing a lot of restrictions. And um, I think, you know, the federal government might be on the path to trying to, to do this. Uh, funding withdrawal, funding withholding or other things, other indirect methods, particularly if they claim a new, particularly dangerous variant of COVID comes out. And so they can say, well, look, we have this new dangerous variant. We have to lock down again. We have to go back to the mask again. We have to close the schools again because it's just terrible. And the vaccine is not uh, very effective against it um, because it wasn't formulated with this new variant in mind. That's always a possibility. And it's also worth worth uh, knowing, too, that um, Israel uh, has um, seen got a lot more people in its country vaccinated as a proportion of the population than, than almost any other country. And it seems like the early returns, right, the early results, seem to show that the COVID vaccines are not nearly as effective as in the studies, which is usual for any drug or vaccine. In the real world, it is not as effective in the, as in the studies. But it could be as low as 50% effective, not anywhere near the 95%. And if the same holds true in the United States, of course, Fauci and friends could then use that to say, well, unfortunately, the vaccines don't work as well as we'd hope. We need to keep locked down. We need to keep schools closed. We need to keep the mask mandates. We need to prevent your small business from reopening, um, and so on and so forth for an indefinite period of time. And in fact, Fauci's already said he doesn't expect things to get back to this somewhat normal until March of next year. That's another year from now. And of course, they keep moving that date out further and further because the government doesn't want to give up these new tools of control. It now can tell you uh, whenever it you know, makes up a, or, or thinks there's a mild health threat uh, to tell you that your business has to go bankrupt or that your school can't open or you can't go to church or that you, know, you can't have social gatherings. Even here in Virginia, which is now a blue state, but a relatively moderate blue state, it is actually illegal to have more than 10 people in your home, unless they actually all live there, right? So if you have, if you say you have two people who live in your house, if you invite nine friends and family over to your home, you are breaking the law, breaking the executive order of the governor in Virginia, right? And that's true of a lot of other states. So the government has now established this principle that they get to tell you if you can have friends and family in your own home. And that's very, I think, very dangerous. And unfortunately, so many Americans have accepted that. And I don't think the government, state or federal, is going to give up these powers. Because when do, government, when do governments ever give up powers voluntarily? It's sort of like uh, once they set a tax, how often do they take it back? Yeah, it's it's extremely rare. It's not that it never happens, but it's extremely rare. I don't believe that governments will give up these powers. Um, why why would they? They're not exactly liberty loving people. Uh, it goes against the grain of government historically, and so they're not going to give these up voluntarily. Nor do I see anyone forcing them to give it up. I mean, after all, the vast majority of the corporations and banks and the 
schools, universities, and churches are in favor of the COVID restrictions. And the polling I've seen from the American people shows that 75 to 80% of the American people are in favor of the restrictions. So everyone is in favor of the restrictions, except for a relatively small proportion of the population that still actually believes in freedom. Uh, and so I don't see the government giving this up. I, I see them maybe loosening things for a while until some new threat comes, a new variant of COVID, perhaps a new flu strain or some other virus or some other disease, maybe a series of mass shootings. The government will then say, no, and, you know, we, we can't let people out of our, their homes. It's too dangerous. These mass shootings, we've got to get there. We've got to get it under control. So we're going to have to uh, keep them in our homes, at least in certain areas. And, you know, and sort of uh, whatever other kinds of terrorist attacks, perhaps, and and just uh, keep this going. Uh, I think keeping this racket going for, for years to come is what, I, is what I expect to happen. And I think that would be the typical pattern. Because when people don't resist tyranny, well, I think Frederick Douglass put it very well. Frederick Douglass uh, was, you know, uh, a black man. He was an abolitionist, advocated to, to free uh, black Americans from slavery. And one of the things he said was, people suffer tyranny in exact proportion to the tyranny that they're willing to tolerate. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that's just the, 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 the way it goes. If you're willing to accept tyranny, then you will get it. You know, my gut feeling is that uh, it will really hit the fan if they try to change Amendment 2. And uh, if they start, and I, I don't know who in the world they're going to get to go knocking on doors anyway, but um, I think that's when, uh, that's when America will stand up and say enough's enough. Maybe, maybe not. So there's several things to say about the Second Amendment. So, again, I don't think they're going to provoke a big enough reaction. So, for example, I mentioned the 10-person limit rule in Virginia. They don't actually enforce it yet, right? So they've, they've established the principle that they can do this, right? And so getting people used to the idea without actually enforcing it. So if they, they laid the rule down and started to actually vigorously enforce it, that would enforce it, that would generate a very strong reaction. So instead, they, they ease people into it. It's the boiling frog thing, slow, slowly boil the frog, slowly slice a little bit at a time so people don't react, right? right. In fact, Governor Northam here is the one who likes to wear clan robes and, and then put pictures of himself doing so in medical school yearbook, or maybe he was one wearing blackface. I don't think he's ever told us. Um, you know, he first, the limit was 250 people, right? Well, who's going to want to have 250 people at their house, right? Yeah. So people people accepted that. Then he lowered it to 25 people, which is more problematic, right? Now it's down to 10 people, but no, no enforcement. So people are just, he's just easing, you know, all the, you know, he's not the only governor, right? Just easing people into the idea that government gets to decide these things for you, right? Yeah. Then eventually they'll start enforcing it, I expect. Right? You, you wonder if you've got like uh, five cars in front of your house or six cars in front of your house and a cop drives by, is he going to stop and knock on your door? I think at some point that's what they're going to do. They're going to run the license plates through their, their computer, and if several of the cars are not registered to that address, i.e., almost certainly are being driven by guests, and they will they will use that as their probable cause <laughs> to come and knock on your door, right? Hmm. 
and so, yes, I think eventually that they will. And they'll start in the big cities and they'll graduate, you know, places where I'm living, I'm living in a sort of semi-rural area in the Western Virginia Mountains. It's going to be a lot harder here, right? But eventually, right? So I think with the Second Amendment, what they might do is sort of, you know, start with relatively mild rules, more rules than they already have, ratchet them down, um, maybe not enforce them, right? Maybe they pass a, you know, a rule that gives them a lot of power, but they don't enforce it. So people are angry at first, but then nothing happens. They're like, oh, well, they're not doing anything to enforce it. Then later next year, the year after, they start to enforce it after a series of mass shootings or something, right? Like after people have got used to it and after it's been on the books for a while, that it's no longer a new law, right? So that's one approach to the Second Amendment. Another possibility they could do is, is uh, chip away by making guns and ammunition more expensive. They already have a lot of ammunition shortages, right? Oh, yeah. taxes and regulation, they can make ammunition even more expensive, right? And then sort of deprive people of their Second Amendment rights indirectly by making ammunition costs, you know, $2 a round at minimum, you know, something like that, and gradually raising more from there, putting a big tax on guns. There's also the legal liability for gun manufacturers possibility, where people can sue gun manufacturers for other, for the misuse of their products, right? Uh, you know, there's lots of ways to get at people's Second Amendment rights without actually passing a law banning guns, right? There's lots of ways they already do. There's already all kinds of things they do, of course, to restrict our Second Amendment rights. Uh, and there's just lots of ways to do it. Making it just work much more expensive is even an obvious way. Other ways, you know, registration and red flag laws, right? Oh, or yeah. someone reports you as being potentially dangerous, and now you're not allowed to buy a gun anymore, right? Or they can come in and confiscate them. Well, that's the, the more route. Okay, so that would be, I don't, they're not going to do that next, this year, or anything like that, I think, because that would generate too much reaction, right? So they're going to, they're going to, it's going to be, I think, it's going to be gradual, right? I think well, it's going to be the usual boiling frog thing. Well, and, we were, we were talking about it on Locked and Loaded, that, uh, you know, you're out, kicking your lawnmower, and so your neighbor calls the police and says, this guy's a looney tune, and he shouldn't have weapons. Exactly, exactly. Or they just look at your Facebook posts, or your Twitter posts, or whatever, because just saying something like, I don't believe in the election results, <laughs> is now grounds for continuing a violent extremist, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, or just saying, I don't think Biden is a legitimate president. Or even at this point saying, I don't believe in transgenderism. Right, is considered grounds for, you know, suspicion of violent extremism. Right, so you know, expressing, you know, reasonable views or disagreements over facts or basic conservative views is now being considered grounds for considering you dangerous. Right, so you know, they'll just you know make it up as they as they want as they always do to to go after people. Now, Maybe they will pass a law just outlawing a lot of guns and they'll start coming and confiscating. But I think they're not going to do that that quickly because that would generate too much reaction. I want to say this, and I think conservatives need to really recognize this. This is really important. So many conservatives treat guns as these sort of totems or idols. Guns, to, guns protect liberty. Guns defend liberty. That is simply not true, right? You cannot treat a gun as some sort of idol you have in your gun room or in your basement that's going to protect liberty. What protects liberty? Men with guns and a willingness to use those guns protect liberty, right? Guns themselves don't, don't do protect anything. liberty. You know, a gun, you know, 
a gun has never killed anybody that I know of. Yeah, right. Guns don't, don't protect everybody. They don't kill anyone, right? Um, they don't do anything, right, uh, on, their, on their own. But I think a lot of conservatives seem to think that the, like, having a gun or having a second moment just by itself will protect liberty, and that's just not the case, right? So lots of people in this country have guns, and we have a lot less liberty than we did a year ago. Joseph, and a year ago, we had a lot less liberty than we did five years before that, and, and so on and so forth for decades, right? So putting all this stock in, you know, obviously gun rights are important, and, and if the government really were to try to disarm the population, that would be a sign that genocide is coming, right? That's a historical pattern. You disarm the people you want to kill, and then you kill them all, right? Mass murder, genocide, right? Let, let's let everybody think about that while we take a quick break. All right. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on to Facts Matter. Uh, we're missing our normal host, Mr. Robert, Professor Robert D'Agostino, but we have a very special guest that's uh, been on before, Joseph D'Agostino. And uh, we're always delighted to have Joseph on. He's got some, we share some uh, complimentary views, I believe, Joseph. Uh, you, you've been... Um, you have a you have a bigger crystal ball than most of us, but uh, we do believe in what you've got to say and believe that uh, uh, we're in a pickle jar right now and we're going to be swimming our way out of it one of these days. I hope. So. Well, I think the, I think there's there's really one likely way, which is actually spreading the country up to the several independent nations. I, I don't think that. Keeping the United States one unified country is going to work, um, and so not in any kind of semblance of freedom and prosperity. And of course, a lot of people have been saying this now. A lot of a lot of conservatives, so a year ago, where they would have laughed at that idea or say it was unpatriotic. A lot of those same people are now saying publicly that they think this is a good idea, right? To split the country up. 
I do differ with most of them in the sense that uh, that I don't think it's just two new countries that need to be made. Maybe one new country, not the other one, considers itself a continuation of the current United States. I, I think it's going to take several countries because I think there's some very irreconcilable differences that are going on. Um, and so I think that's sort of the, the, the ultimate solution where different people, different tribes of people, right, religious, ideological tribes of people, can live separately and live under the kind of governments, under the kind of laws and the entire, the entire kind of cultural norms that they want, right? So one of the things to recognize is America has changed so much since its founding and so much in the last few decades changed religiously, culturally, economically, demographically, to the point where we just can't really come to any kind of compromise solution that is satisfactory to all major groups. It's simply not possible, right? Um, progressives want what they want. Liberals want what they want. Conservatives want what they want. Christians, right? There are black nationalists out there. That, you know, there's all kinds of groups that are just not going to come to a, a, a compromise solution. And there's no debating, there's no arguing, there's compromising, because there's really a clash of religious visions. And they're not going to change them up, right? But, you know, people who see white supremacy everywhere are not likely to, you're not likely to convince them otherwise, right? That, that you know, adult people, right, especially if they're over 30, if this is the way they see their world, if they see the world in terms of, you know, racism everywhere and white supremacy everywhere, or, you know, guns are dangerous and must be confiscated and let's trust the government and you know, all that kind of thing. You're very unlikely to change that person's mind, right? And there's just a growing number of these people, and we're um, uh, 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 unlikely to change our mind. Joseph, right? if I let me ask you one quick question with what you just said. Um, what, what if you were to point your finger at one thing? I know what I would point it at, but what would you point at as the cause of this major shift? I would, uh, I would point at the devil in original sin, <laughs> right? Right. So I, I think that what has happened fundamentally, you know, I'm a Catholic. I think fundamentally is the people of this country turned away from Christ, right? And now we suffer the punishment, okay? So this country, you know, been sort of a long decline of, of, you know, Christian civilization for centuries, but particularly since the 1960s, right? Mm-hmm. This country has really turned away from the basics. This country has turned away from Christ. It's turned away from family. It's turned away from community. It's turned away from the right idea of economic justice, right? Uh, and it's turned towards secularism, new age spirituality. It's turned towards family breakdown and uh, degenerate behavior. It's turned towards um, the financialization, financialization of the economy where financiers control the economy instead of actually productive corporate executives and entrepreneurs, right? Uh, it's um, turned to a lot of all kinds of generous and popular culture and so on, declining standards in education and crime and personal behavior, right? And at the root of it is the turning away from Christ, you know? Is recently, you know, even someone like FDR, you know, back during World War II would portray the struggle of World War II is between Christianity and paganism, right? People still commonly, even you know, even Democrats, right, even you know, commonly referred to America as a Christian country and as Christianity as a you know, cultural basis you know, into the 1950s, right? Um, 
No one says that anymore, I don't think. If they do, they're just wrong, right? Because people, most Americans, aren't Christian in their beliefs anymore in any kind of serious way, and certainly not in their lifestyles in any kind of serious way. And I don't mean the sense that we're all sinners, because we are all sinners. I'm not trying to pump up my own sanctity or anything like that, but people don't believe in the principles anymore. They're not trying anymore, right? Well, you and know, so, what's that? Uh, where I would have pointed my finger was at our deteriorating, and it has deteriorated, school systems and uh, textbooks and everything else, which in turn, you know, you said the 1960s, well, when no prayer in schools, you know, it, right. all, it all adds up to the same. So, uh, what, but so. what's the ultimate, the ultimate source, or why did the schools deteriorate, right? So I think one of the things is many conservatives, as well as other people, do not see the reality that the world is a spiritual struggle between God and the devil, good and evil, right? Mm -hmm. That's a fundamental thing. Mm -hmm. The fact is, our rulers are people who hate Christianity, who hate Christ, who hate normalcy, just hate normal people, right? Because they are either literally or figuratively statements. Right? They, they, they just are opposed to objective reality, they're opposed to following natural law, they're opposed to Christianity, and they want to remake the world in their own image, right? Like right. the serpent said to Eve, eat of this fruit and you will be like God, knowing good and evil for yourselves, right? Deciding for yourself what good and evil is, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, what we have is that, you know, rulers who, who, who have been transforming things in the way that they want, right? And uh, these oligarchs, right, our rulers, want a slaved, a slave population. They want people who, don't believe in anything except what they tell them. They don't believe in any kind of religion. Don't believe in any kind of objective reality or truth, right? They just believe, like in 1984, what the party said, right? Just that whatever we say is the truth, right? And that's what they want people to know. They want people to do and be the way they want them to do and to be. They want radical population reduction, right? They've been talking about this for decades. Bill Gates and all these other people talk about it all the time. We need far fewer human beings on the face of the earth. Well, maybe you can put two two together there. Okay, so I think I think even uh, Ginsburg said that when she was alive. Yeah, uh, that abortion was a good thing. I don't think abortion and abortion in uh, the Catholic Church is a good thing. Absolutely not. And so, right, she said abortion is great because it seems to get fewer people the kind we don't want. Right, that kind of thing. right. <laughs> so yeah, so we have you know. We have a group of people who are in power who have a very different view of the world of humanity of ultimate value, like what's really important, than a Christian does or a typical conservative does, right? Part of the problem is that, you know, Christian conservatives who are not strong Christians understand these things don't necessarily have a religious vision to oppose to the left-wing religious vision, right? Oh, they just want to be left to vote. Well, people just want to be left to vote are eventually going to be conquered, right? Because you either fill the vacuum with your religion or somebody else fills the vacuum with his religion, right? Mm -hmm. So if you fill the vacuum with Christianity, you know, then you have that as your guiding star for society. If you don't do that, if you want to be sort of a libertarian conservative and say, no, everyone should just decide for themselves, they'll leave each other alone, someone else is going to come in and fill that vacuum. And that's what cultural Marxism is doing right now. It's filling the vacuum. Um, just like Islam, radical Islam has been doing in lots of countries in the world, filling the vacuum, right? 
for something strong and substantive that gives people meaning and direction in the lives, even if it's stupid, right? At least it's something. So that's what's been happening. And um, another aspect of this, too, is what conservatives need to understand is democracy is an illusion and always has been. Democracy can only work on a small local level where the people voting actually understand the issues and know the people that they're voting for. On a larger scale, democracy is an illusion. People are manipulated, the information is manipulated, people don't really pay much attention, um, most people. They just follow the crowd, they follow the media, and, and, and uh, things are real, the real powers behind the scene, democracy is just a show. So what conservatives need to recognize is this talk about restoring power to the people, sort of a, a sense of running things, um, just a sense of liberties, yes, but a sense of actually running things, doesn't make any sense. 330 million people are not going to love America, right? It's not realistic. What people conservatives need to recognize is an integral part of the solution is replacing the current ruling class with a different ruling class. The idea that you're not going to have a ruling class is ridiculous, right? Some, someone's going to be in charge. Some small group of people is going to run and make the ultimate decision. That's true of anything. Any organization, any corporation, any church, any nation, a small group of people are going to make big decisions. And so what we need is the ruling class to be replaced with an entirely different ruling class. I think in America today that's going to be very difficult, which is one reason why I think the country should break up and there will be a Christian America with a ruling class that is Christian and pursues Christian values and pursues them when it comes to the government within very narrow areas, right? So the government is much less powerful, right, than our government is today. So the government is smaller and much less powerful, but within its sphere is very strongly Christian and follows that principle, right? And, and, and if you don't like it, then go live somewhere else, right? We're not going to have secularism. We're not going to have liberalism. We're going we're gonna to be Christian here, right? And then other people can live in progressive America. People would like to starve to death can live in socialist America, right? So on and so forth. Um, and I think really the, uh, instead of the universal brotherhood of man, I think the future of America and the future of the world is good fences make good neighbors. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about what you were saying and breaking up and uh, into two or three or four different countries. I, How long would it take China to get here and, and take us over? And who would, who would control the nukes? And, you know, who's going to... Texas is going to speak for itself and... Uh, Oklahoma is going to speak for itself, or X Y Z country is going to speak independently, or you know, I I understand what you're saying, and I don't totally disagree with it. But at the same token, I mean, that would be a Pandora's box that would never get shut again. Well, it would get shut again eventually. Um... The, I don't know why you think China hasn't already taken this over, right? China owns the Biden family. Yeah. China owns Mitch McConnell. China owns Nancy Pelosi. I mean, China owns a lot of people. Uh, Confucius Institutes at universities and, you know, a lot of these scientists, even, even scientists at places like Harvard have been arrested and charged with giving secrets to China, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, they already have a huge amount of tentacles in this country. 
big businessmen don't want to offend the Chinese government because of all the business they do in China, the manufacturing they do in China, right? The NBA doesn't want to offend China, right? So I don't, I mean, the idea that you know, well, China will take us over, I think in every way that they really want to, they already have, right? It's not that the Chinese want to send an army over here and conquer America. They don't want to do that. That would, that would cost them far too much in, in men and material, right, to do something like that. They did it in a much cheaper and, and you know, secret way. Uh, they bought people. They bought America, right? A lot of it. A lot of America. And so one reason why they break up the country might be more feasible than it seems is Foreign countries have a lot of influence in America, such as China. They want America to break up to eliminate their only rival for global superpower status, right? Um, and so they may favor the breakup. I mean, in the sense, you know, so not do anything to prevent this, right? Um, and not, you know, invade the country to create chaos. We say, hey, you all break up, do your own thing. You know, that's, that's fine with us, right? Um, and so we need to, to think about, okay. And, and here's the thing, we cannot have utopian thinking. So why do I want to break up the country because that's problematic? Of course it's problematic. <laughs> the question is what's the alternative, right? What is the alternative? So we all go our separate ways, we break up the country, and Christians and conservatives, we can all move to one region of the country. Like Christians and conservatives who are serious about this can move to, say, the Mountain West, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, that kind of area. Create their own communities where they have relative freedom, right? And if the day comes, they separate, like we break the country up, probably state by state, and this can be done legally, constitutionally, and peacefully. I'm not talking about secession, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing it with a negotiated settlement with the federal government, right? Mm -hmm. So doing it legally, constitutionally, and peacefully with the permission of the federal government, then different other parts of the country, you know, negotiate with them to all come to a deal of how we separate, right? How we go our separate ways, right? So you can say, well, you know, that's possible, but it's difficult. It could end up being violent. Hopefully not, but it could. Okay, so my question to you, David, or my question to anyone else is, okay, what do you want to do? What's your plan, right? So for 70 years that a conservative move, it has failed, okay? Or do you think you can convince the majority of Americans to support the Constitution and then bring back old-fashioned ideas of liberty? I think that's impossible. Do you think you're going to dislodge the ruling class? How? Right? What was your, what you, by voting? <laughs> You think it's going to be done by voting? I, I think we know it's not going to be done by voting. So, so what's your plan? My plan is um, that I'm very thankful that I'm almost your father's age and uh, that I ain't going to be around when all of it hits the fan. So what is my plan? Uh, hopefully to be looking down on it and saying, well, I told you so. And... Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't have a plan. I love the United States. I always have. And uh, I'm extremely, like I said, back to education, I'm extremely disappointed that uh, we can't be in the 50s and 60s when the history books told the truth. And uh, the generation that's come on, come up now, they don't get the truth, and uh, the millennials, or whatever you want, or whatever title you want to call them, um, didn't get the education that I was fortunate enough to get in public schools, and uh, and it's part of it's why we do so many veteran shows is that we all have a love for the country, and uh, somehow 
we forgot to teach that to the powers that be today and the powers that are coming up. Correct, and it's too late now, right? Millennials, the oldest millennials have reached age 40. They're starting to move into, in big numbers, into responsible positions, right? Yep. Take over companies, starting to take over the heads of schools, you know, media organizations, right? I mean, they're getting at least a high positions, right? It's too late, right? So if, if we were to totally reform education tomorrow, <laughs> it's still too late now, oh, right? Yeah. Because it's I agree. too late. Um, and because, okay, you teach the current group of kids. Well, we don't have 30 years for those kids to grow up and start taking over. But we're facing the problem right now. Um, but also, we can't reform education because who controls education? The left controls education 90% of education, right? The public schools, most of the private schools, etc. They're not giving that up, right? And I don't see anyone even making a serious effort to, to take power away from the left over education or over most media, or over entertainment, or over the Wall Street banks, or over the military, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, no one is making a serious effort to do this anyway, right? Um, and I think it would be very hard to, to succeed. So the left and the Democrats are not just going to give up power without a fight, right? Oh, so it's much easier to say, we'll go our way, you go your way, right? And a lot of people would take that deal. Like, a lot of progressive liberals would say, great, in America without conservatives, rednecks, and fundamentalists, Bible thumpers, right? <laughs> a lot of people say, yeah, it's great. Go do your own thing. That'd be wonderful. Right? Some people would say no because they want to dominate us, right? Some people would say yeah. So, you know, what are what are the options? The option is we continue to slide towards Marxist totalitarianism. Another option is the military stages are cute, but I don't think that's very likely. That's up to them. Nothing to do with me. Um, what else? What's the other option? We win by voting. Uh, has that ever worked before? Well, what do you think of What do you think of the chances of that happening? <laughs> um, uh, you know. So, what exactly? You know, I say if you break up the country, you know, they're too strong, they're too powerful. We can't take over the country not peacefully anyway. So let's go peacefully, separate, and let them do their own thing while we do our thing. Seems to me, as unlikely as it may sound, seems to me the most likely positive scenario. Um, especially after the, uh, the current uh, regime in Washington finishes uh, its purge of the military, it's currently engaged in its uh, so-called reform of uh, election laws, which will institutionalize the fraud and so on and so forth. I think it's going to be, you know, the amnestying millions, tens of millions of illegal aliens and giving them the vote, right? I think it'll be very difficult for conservatives to ever take this country over uh, again and do anything serious. The fact is, we had Trump as president for four years. You know, what do we get? You know, yeah. we've had the Republicans and conservatives in power before. What do we really get? Well, we got to where we are right now. Joseph, with that, we got to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with Joseph D'Agostino right after a couple of messages. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. 
So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to The Facts Matter, and uh, we're sort of turning the tables on our regular host, Professor Robert D'Agostino. But uh, we've got Joseph D'Agostino on and carrying on a very interesting conversation and theory that... uh, uh, Joseph says that uh, the only way out of where we are today is to uh, form separate countries. And what would you say, five or four or five? What, what would you guess? So it depends. You know, it's not the only way out. I think it's the best way out. I, I think that it depends on what, like I said, it needs to be done with a negotiated settlement. So it's going to depend on what various groups want and what various groups can find self-sustaining. So... For example, there may be uh, the liberals want to have a country altogether, liberals and progressives, or maybe the, the, the liberals and socialists want to split in two different countries, right? Because some liberals don't want socialism. Maybe black nationalists would like to have their own country, or maybe they prefer not to, or to be part of another country, right? Um, Maybe I, I tend to think that the, the, a really Christian nation and a conservative nation would be two different things. I don't think that would actually be one thing. But I don't think conservative, most conservatives want a really Christian nation, and they really want to live in a country where there's no usury and no divorce and you know, Christ is everywhere. I think a lot of conservatives just want to live in sort of a 1950s type environment. But another thing I like to say to them if they say that is, well, then what's going to happen just 10 years later, right? But anyway, that's what a lot of conservatives want. Um, so I actually think the American Christian nation, as I call it, will be separate from the conservative states of America, or the conservative American states, I should say. Um, and then other groups want to see this. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, American Indians would like to, to, to separate, or maybe they would like to stay sort of in a sort of semi-autonomous state that they're, that they're some of them are in now on reservations. Uh, well, where, what will Hispanics like to do? And there are different groups of Hispanics, right? So once you, you know, it is like you open a Pandora's box and all these questions get raised. So that is you know, problematic. But I, I would tend to think that there's going to be you know, an American Christian nation, a conservative American state, a kind of socialist America, a kind of liberal America that might just call itself the United States. And then within those countries, there would be sort of autonomous regions various groups, like black nationalists, which is like an autonomous region within the liberal United States or something. Um, and I think, you know, maybe Jews and Muslims would want to have, you know, sort of autonomous regions, and they would like to have some separate countries. Um, so, yes, it is a big Pandora's box once you open it, but it's happened before, you know, it's happened, you know, there have been lots of partitions in the last hundred years, and there's a proud history, India and Pakistan. So, 
spots for Cyprus, Ireland, Yugoslavia, so on and so forth. Um, and it's nothing that hasn't been done before. There's a, I just named several that happened in the last 100 years or so. Um, so so after, uh, we've, after you've got these states, and depending on uh, their elections and who they voted into office and how power-hungry and money-hungry they were, uh, which group do you think would be the first to invade? If you had country A, B, C, and D, which country would be the first to invade their neighbor? Yeah. Well, that's certainly possible. It's always possible, right? I mean, Europe has had various wars, right? On the other hand, for decades now, they've been pretty stable, right? Mm -hmm. Africa is always having problems. Asia, Latin America. I mean, well, Latin America is fairly stable last few decades. And so you can have that. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, that's why I say negotiated settlement. Hopefully, you reach a point where all major groups are, are satisfied. You're not going to make everybody happy, right? But at least all major groups are satisfied and they will enforce the settlement because they don't want to upset the settlement. So, so they won't invade each other. If one invades the other, invades another, the other ones will come to the aid of the one that's been invaded to, to maintain the stability, right? That kind of thing. So that's one reason why I believe you need a negotiated settlement that satisfies all major groups so that they will agree to help each other if they are attacked, right? Because they want to maintain the stability of the system because everyone's at least minimal, every major group at least is minimally satisfied with the answer. Also, people need to be well armed, right? You need to have a strong army. I mean, in the American Christian nation, I would intend all young men to be drafted, you know, to, to, to do like they do in Switzerland and Israel, have a year or two of mandatory military service, right? Many countries do this. I think it's a good thing. I think we're going to need that, right? We're well armed. Uh, strong army, strong uh, military, right? If you want peace, prepare for war. So to make any invasion would be a very costly move by the invader. Like just make it, make it so it's not worth it, right? Like Switzerland is a great example. Very well armed, very well protected. No threat to anyone else. But no one bothers invading because it's just too costly to invade Switzerland. It's just not worth it, right? The Nazis did invade Switzerland. They didn't because it would just, if they could have won, they would have beaten Switzerland, but it was far too high a cost. It's just not worth it. So that's the kind of thing you want to have here, right? And the borders need to be hopefully gone in a defensible way and so on and so forth. But, you know, again, it's a question of, okay, do you want to continue to live in the current America Declining culture, declining freedom, declining economy, increasingly tyrannical, increasingly just weird country, right? <laughs> Transgender is only being the most obvious example, but Dr. Seuss is apparently racist now, right? That very liberal, yeah. liberal Jewish guy is apparently, you know, a racist now, and so on and so forth. I mean, you just want to keep living in, in this kind of system until one day they come knocking your door and take all your guns away and haul you off to a concentration camp, or who knows what they have planned, right? Or you can't leave your house because of, you know, the flu is going around or whatever it is. If you want to continue in the, under the current system, right, and just sort of go off into the death of, of, of that good night of, of tyranny, of Marxist tyranny, or if you want to take a stand in a way that's relatively non-threatening to liberals and others because you're saying to them, we're not trying to conquer you, we're not trying to take you over, we're not trying to take over the whole country and impose our ways on you, we want to go be separate and leave you alone if you leave us alone. And I think that's an offer a lot of people would say yes to, and I think it's the best 
offer we can do on this continent, on the 330 million people in this country, radically diverse country, people don't get along, tyrannical, evil ruling class, right? A lot of other problems, a lot of foreign influence from China, from Israel, from the Arabs, et cetera, et cetera. And we're just going to have to uh, reverse that. It's a common pattern. People live separately, nations live separately, an empire is formed, the empire thrives for a while, it decays, people, you know, there's a split, there's a breakup, people split and move separately again, right? The Roman Empire is a great example, the Ottoman Empire is a great example, right? the British Empire is a great example, lots of examples in history, and I think we're living in an American empire, and it's going to need to split up, and I would like to see that happen legally, constitutionally, and peacefully in a way that satisfies all major groups. Well, you said I'd live long enough to see it. I don't much think I will. You uh, might. I said <laughs> you might. Who knows? Right? Well, I might, well, I yeah. At the rate things are, are moving right now, um, the next few years can be very, very big. Now, keep in mind the Great Reset, their target date for completing the Great Reset is 2030, right? So by 2030, they want to have radically reduced people's standards of living. They want to move to the you'll own nothing and be happy model. Um, want to eliminate privacy, etc. Their target date that they themselves give very publicly and openly, they don't hide any of this stuff, is just nine years from now. So 2030 is their target date. So, I mean, if they're going to actually hit that date, they're going to have to move that. And, you know, I will give... And I've done this before, and your father and I have talked about it before. Anybody that doesn't realize this didn't just happen is nuts. And they've been planning this, and I say they, I can't identify who it is, but the progressives, the... Is that you talking to me? No, that's the crow outside. Oh, the crow, okay. Yeah, he doesn't like the show, huh? But anyway... <laughs> You know, this has been planned, and the one thing that we don't have, myself certainly included, is patience. And uh, these people, be they a combination of progressives and uh, Middle Easterners, this and, and socialists have been looking at this, and they're checking their little boxes off now, in my opinion. Yes, they've been planning this for centuries, actually, and they've been planning it very specifically for decades. Um, and and they're now been gradually implementing parts of the plan slowly. In the past few years, they've been implementing, especially the past year, they've been implementing their plans quickly, right? And so this is something that they have told us that they, they've been saying for a long time. We want to abolish private property. We want to abolish the family. We want to abolish religion. We want to have total socialism. We want to have communism. We, you know, we, they, this has been going on for a long time now, right? They, they have not really hidden it, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, they're very smart. They, they plan for a long time. They have a lot of power. We have to respond in kind. We need to have our own plan, very specific, you know, at least relatively specific plan. We have our own leaders, our own goals, our own religion that we're going to adhere to and not allow anyone to corrupt. Right, and we need to have our own alternative, and it needs to be a positive alternative that attracts people. And if we continue to be individualists, we'll lose. If we continue to just say we want to be left alone, we'll lose. We're not going to. 
If we continue to think guns are going to be sort of magic totems that in your basement or in your gun cabinet are going to protect you just by being there, well, we will lose, right? Uh, if we think voting is going to work, we will lose, et cetera, et cetera. So, and if we also have the wrong model of human behavior, like we think power comes from the people up instead of from the top down, we will lose. It comes from the top down. Control is from the top down. We need the right people at the top. Uh, so that's the sort of situation we're in, and we need to really go back to traditional principles uh, and, and in a way that's really effective. And I think we have to recognize we're not going to convince the ruling class to go along with that. We're not going to convince most Americans to go along with that. So we need to do our own thing. Well, this has been a very interesting, and uh, I'm glad you've filled in, or I, I guess the word would be uh, you've connected some dots that uh, I wasn't real sure about. But with that being said, we're out of time. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I hope you got, I hope everything that you wanted to say, you got to say. And All of us far more you could always say, but thank you, David. It's been good. Well, we'll come back and do it again. Take care. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.